Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Proportionate to how deep our roots are, so too will that be and determine how high our lives are. It's because there's no, and this is the problem, when there's no deep root system in our Christian lives, it's just a matter of time before we're brought down. And the enemy knows it. He doesn't want you to know it. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Colossians. Just as a deeply rooted tree stands stronger and longer, so too your faith will be stronger when you're deeply rooted in God's Word. In today's message, Pastor J.D. will encourage you to study the Word and keep the Scriptures ingrained in your heart and mind. This will help you to fight against the enemy in hard times. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Colossians chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. If there was a letter written to you personally, maybe even confidentially, if need be, what would the warning be? What would the warning be? What is it in your life that Satan, in his strategy to destroy you, to distance you from the Lord, what is it for you? What is his goal? Where are, maybe better asked, the goalposts in your life? This is why Paul says in verse 2 that he has a goal too. And that goal is that they would be encouraged in heart and united in love. He then goes on to explain specifically, even practically, how it is that we can reach this goal. First, notice in verse 6, he tells them, as we have received Christ Jesus as Lord, we're to continue to live our lives in Him. What does that mean? What is he saying? What does that look like? What he's saying here is when we're living for the Lord, not living for self, because that's what the enemy wants us to do. That's his goal for me and you. It's been said that when your eyes are on self, you're depressed. When your eyes are on others, you're distressed. But when your eyes are on the Lord and you're living for the Lord, you're blessed. What Paul is saying here is, when we're living for the Lord, we're not going to fall prey to the enemy. It's as that hymn of old, you're under the spout where God's blessing comes out. I like that. I like that. Kind of dorky a little bit, but you know. 
It's the second way that I want us to spend a little bit of time on. It's in verse 7. And it's that of being deeply rooted in order to be equally built up. Now I say it that way because the further our roots go down, the higher the building of our lives can go up. Maybe a better way to say that is proportionate to how deep our roots are, so too will that be and determine how high our lives are. It's because there's no, and this is the problem, when there's no deep root system in our Christian lives, it's just a matter of time before we're brought down. And the enemy knows it. He doesn't want you to know it. In the first Psalm, and I say this reluctantly because I say it maybe too much, and I know you tire of me saying it, but this is my favorite, one of my favorite Psalms, <laughs> like Psalm 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 and 6. <laughs> but in Psalm 1, the psalmist paints this magnificent portrait of those who delight in and meditate on God's Word day and night. It's this poignant picture of this tree that's planted by the rivers of water with deep roots that bring forth fruits and it never withers, only prospers. However, in that psalm there's also a warning for the ungodly who don't. And the warning is that they're like the chaff blown away by the wind, never standing, only falling. In Matthew 7, Jesus teaches a parable about two builders. They have a lot of things in common, but one is wise and one is foolish. The wise builds on the solid rock of God's Word by being a doer of God's Word, not merely a hearer of God's Word, putting into practice God's Word, meditating on it and applying it to his life. And that's what makes his roots deeper and his structure higher, so it only stands, never falls. But here again, we have a warning. Conversely, the fool builds on the shallow shifting sand, and when, not if, the floods and the winds come and they come, it falls. It doesn't just fall. Jesus says it falls with a great fall. You know, as a pastor, one of the things that I struggle with is 
the shallowness of many a Christian who has never drunk deeply of God's Word. Please don't misunderstand my heart. I mean, I say this with a a sorrow in my heart, really a pity, for any Christian who has never read the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation at least one time. To say nothing of the Christian who is not daily in the Word of God, and not as a got to, but as a get to. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, Lord, if I don't have time with you today, this morning, shoot me now. I ain't going to make it. It's just a matter of time before down I go. And isn't it true that when, as uh, you'll forgive me, shallow cotton candy Christians, I said, you'll forgive me, right? (laughs) You kind of have to, actually. But isn't it true that shallow Christians, they forget thrive. How about survive? When the storms of life hit, you had better have your roots down deep in the Word of God and the God of the Word. So when that adversity strikes, oh, it might have an impact, but nothing wrong with this. You know, when you see the trees in a hurricane, the palm trees especially, I always, before I moved to Hawaii, when I lived on the mainland, and I would see the hurricanes you guys got hit with, I always marveled at those palm trees. I mean, those things were like this. That's a good posture to be, isn't it? bowed to the ground, but they didn't break. Hurricane force winds. But if our lives are built on the solid rock foundation with our roots down deep, we'll stand. Let me see if I can kind of, maybe by way of an illustration, say it this way. You're so familiar with the Word of God, so rooted down deep in the Word of God, that if somebody says to you something that is not biblical, that's a false teaching, you're like, really? What do you think, I'm stupid? No. You know, the best illustration I ever heard concerning this is that of a bank teller. I don't know if they still do that with technology the way it is today, but there was a day when to teach bank tellers how to spot counterfeit, they would so familiarize them with the genuine. They would count it, smell it, touch it, feel it, get to know it, spend time with it, And then they would slip in a counterfeit, and they could spot it. Why? Because they're so familiar with the genuine. 
They're not vulnerable to a fall, to fall prey, because their roots are deep in the solid rock of God's Word. One last thought, and we'll close with the third one, which is an interesting one. And this is just by way of my own personal experience. When our daughter Noelle died, my wife and I were told about the statistics, the marriage statistics of parents who experienced the death of a child. And it was something like 90 some percent, very high. And the reason is, is because the grief is so intense, the fingers of blame are pointed, and it is such that most couples, married couples, Christian and non-Christian, by the way, equally, will end up in a divorce if they experience the death of a child. But God, (laughs) because my wife and I were so deeply rooted in God's Word, we were able to stand. Had it not been for our relationship with Jesus Christ, the maturity, the strength, the depth, I would not be standing here today. And by the way, neither would this church be here today as we know it, and I'll explain why. Before coming here, I was given really, I I think, a, a word of knowledge, really. It was a word fitly spoken at best. And it was basically this, you really have to make sure you're called to Hawaii. Because a lot of guys from the mainland, you know, they just have rose-colored glasses, they're like, yes, Lord, send me, here am I. You know, it's a rough job, but somebody's got to do it, right? So God's calling me to Hawaii to start a church. I remember when I shared this with my board, my elders at my church on the mainland. I said, you know, I I really believe God is calling me to go to Hawaii and plant a church on the windward side of Oahu. One of my elders said to me, this true story, he said, Pastor, with all due respect, I think you heard the Lord wrong, and, and you spelled it wrong. It wasn't Oahu, it was Ohio. To which I responded, get thee behind me, Satan. (laughs) I mean, of course, who, who doesn't want to be sent to paradise, as we call it, right? But the word was this, you better make sure God's calling you, because a lot of guys come from the mainland. They don't realize how hard it is, how expensive it is. Oh my goodness. And they don't make it. And maybe they'll go for a couple of years, and then they pack it up, throw in the towel, and leave, and it leaves a bad taste in people's mouths. I was like, wow, thank you so much. I'm so encouraged. (laughs) Well, I really appreciated that, because here's what happened. We come here, start up a Bible study. This is 2004. And then our very first 
church service was in February of 2005. I remember it like it was yesterday because we started our first Sunday service on Super Bowl Sunday. I'm not the sharpest knife in the kitchen drawer. If I ever write a book, I will title it, What Not to Do When You Start a Church. Don't start it on Super Bowl Sunday. We had basically 15 people there, and half of them were my wife's family who are from here. And the first two years, I thought I had made the biggest mistake of my entire life, that I really didn't hear the Lord, that this was not the Lord, this was me wanting to move my Kailua girl back to Kailua. You know, as they say, you can take the girl out of Kailua, but you can't take the Kailua out of the girl. Boy, Satan was right there. And then when our daughter Noelle was born, and we were told that she would have a 50% chance of even surviving the birth, and then if she survived the birth, she would only have a 10% chance of making it to her first birthday, Boy, that's all I needed to hear, I thought for sure. I did make the biggest mistake. God's mad at me. Meanwhile, the church now, we're renting this SDA building. And I mean, (laughs) there were probably 30, 40 people, wooden pews. I, I remember standing up there and my words would echo off the empty wood pews. It was like, well, good morning, good morning, good morning. The Lord reminded me not to despise the days of small things, small beginnings. God's in the small, the still small. And that was certainly the church. It was still small after two years. And I'll never forget that Sunday when I got up and I I basically pleaded with this small, precious group of believers to pray for my wife and I, because we just found out that our daughter had trisomy 18, and it doesn't look good. We knew she would die. We just didn't know when. It was just a matter of time. And the church just came together, and they were watching my wife and I. And they were waiting to see, huh, he's going to be just like all the rest. What's the, what's the pastor going to do? Is he going to stay here, let alone stay married? Or is he going to be like all the rest and pack it up and, oh, this is too hard. Not going to keep his hands to the plow. He's going to bail. I mean, come on. Every parent's nightmare is the death of their child, right? Well, Noel was born. We took her home. She required round-the-clock care. I remember leaving my phone on while I preached on Sunday mornings. Because the agreement was that if, because again, we didn't know when, when the time came, my wife would call me and I would go back home where she was with our daughter. And because we both wanted to be there when she took her last breath here in her first breath with Jesus which happened when she was four months and six days old. What's the pastor going to do? Is he going to pack it up? Well, I say this in a sanctified way. I basically communicated in no uncertain terms. You're not getting rid of me that easy. (laughs) Kind of stuck with me. I ain't going anywhere. 
to keep my hands to the plow. It's all or nothing. I remember telling a pastor friend of mine when we came, I said, like Esther, I'm, if I perish, I perish. You know, if this is blessed, it's blessed. If it's not, I'm just going to step out in faith and trust God and see what He's going to do. Oh my goodness. So they watched me and they saw that I was committed. And when that little group, that body of believers saw that the pastor was committed, they committed. And I saw the depth of the work that God was doing in and through that situation in that small church at that time. The depth, I used to say, and I've said it often, but I'd rather have a church that is an inch wide and a mile deep than a church that's a mile wide and only an inch deep. God took us deeper. And it was from that and because of that, that we sit in this beautiful, and this is not hyperbole, miraculous building that we have today in this, His church. Well, let's close with the last one. It's one that can be easily overlooked and misunderstood. It's also in verse 7. Notice where Paul tells them to remain strengthened in the faith as they were taught, and to also be overflowing with thankfulness. Now, why does he package them together? I'm of the belief, and it's been my experience, that proportionate to how I overflow with thankfulness, so too am I strengthened in my faith. In other words, a thankful heart is a strong heart, so much so that I stand strong and am less likely to fall, if at all. Being thankful, that's a sermon unto itself the power of thankfulness. You know, when I look back on my life and all that God has brought me through, and I just thank Him and praise Him and worship Him, boy, I tell you, that does something to you. That changes you. It changes how you think. It changes how you behave. It changes how you feel. And it strengthens you. We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth. Our time with you is coming to an end today, but that doesn't mean you have to stop learning from God's Word. We encourage you to study the Scriptures for yourself, taking Pastor J.D.'s message here in Colossians to the source and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal His truth to you. You'll always benefit from spending time in the Word. Are you part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to encourage you to make that a priority. A church family can be a source of support and comfort, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can serve and encourage others too, and where you can be challenged to dive deeper into your relationship with Christ. 
If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website in spiritandtruthradio.com. Just click on Home. There's a lot to discover at our website. You'll find more messages from Pastor J.D.'s Colossians series, along with links to our mobile app and social media pages. You can even listen to the latest Mideast prophecy update from Pastor J.D., a look at the current events in this world and how they line up with Scripture. That website, one more time, is in spiritandtruthradio.com. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth. Holding me true to you.